Chapter thirty one of Highways and Byways in Sussex. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. Highways and Byways in Sussex by E. V. Lucas. Chapter thirty one. Uckfield and Buxted. Uckfield, on the line from Lewis to Tunbridge Wells, is our true starting point for the high, sandy, and rocky district of Crowborough, Rotherfield, and Mayfield. But we must visit on the way Isfield a very pretty village, on the Ouse and its Iron River tributary. Isfield is remarkable for the remains of Isfield Place, once the home of the Shurleys. Reader's note, spelt S-H-U-R-L-E-Y-S, end reader's note. Connected only by marriage with the Shirleys, S-H-I-R-L-E-Y-S, of Whiston. The house can never have been so fine as Slorm Place, but it is evident that abundance also reigned here as there. Over the main door was the motto, Non minor est furtis quam quereri parta tueri, which Horsfield whimsically translates, Catch is a good dog, but hold fast is a better. In the Shirley Chapel, one of the sweetest spots in Sussex, are brasses and monuments to the family, notably the canopied altar tomb to Sir John Shirley, who died in 1631, his two wives, Jane Shirley of Whiston and Dorothy Boyer, nay Goring of Cuckfield, and nine children, who kneel prettily in a row at the foot. Of these children it is said in the inscription that some were called into heaven, and the others into several marriages of good quality, while of Dorothy Shirley it is, it is prettily recorded, this as we have seen, being a district rich in exemplary wives, that she had a merit beyond most of her time. Her pity was the clothing of the poor, and all her minutes were but steps to heaven. Our county has many fine monuments, but I think that this is the most charming of all. At Framfield, two miles east of Uckfield, which we may take here, we again enter the Iron Country, and for the first time see Sussex Hops, which are grown largely to the north and east of this neighbourhood. Framfield has a Tudor church, and no particular interest. In 1792, eleven out of fifteen persons in Framfield, whose united ages amounted to one thousand and thirty-four years, offered through the county paper to play a cricket match with an equal number of the same age from any part of Sussex, but I do not find any record of the result nor can I find that any one at Framfield is proud of the fact that here, in 1834, was born Richard Ralph, the orator and poet, son of Sussex peasants. In England his name is scarcely known, and in America, where his work was done, it is not common knowledge that he was by birth and parentage English. Ralph was the friend of man, liberty, and John Brown. He fought against slavery in the war, and helped the cause with some noble verses and he died miserably, by his own hand, in 1878, leaving these lines beside his body. Der mortuis nil nisi bonum, when for me this end has come, and I am dead, and the little, voluble, chattering doors of men peck at me curiously, let it then be said, by someone brave enough to speak the truth, here lies a great soul killed by cruel wrong, down all the balmy days of his fresh youth to his bleak, desolate noon, 
with sword and song and speech that rushed up hotly from the heart he wrought for liberty till his own wound he had been stabbed concealed with painful art through wasting years mastered him and he swooned and sank there where you see him lying now with the word failure written on his brow but say that he succeeded if he missed world's honours and world's plaudits and the wage of the world's deft lackeys still his lips were kissed daily by those high angels who assuage the thirstings of the poets for he was born unto singing and a burthen lay mightily on him and he moaned because he could not rightly utter to the day what god taught in the night sometimes natheless power fell upon him and bright tongues of flame and blessings reached him from poor souls in stress and benedictions from black pits of shame and little children's love and old men's prayers and a great hand that led him unawares so he died rich and if his eyes were blurred with big films silence he is in his grave greatly he suffered greatly too he erred yet broke his heart in trying to be brave nor did he wait till freedom had become the popular shibboleth of courtiers lips he smote for her when god himself seemed dumb and all his arching skies were in eclipse he was a weary but he fought his fight and stood for simple manhood and was joyed to see the august broadening of the light and new earths heaving heavenward from the void he loved his fellows, and their love was sweet. Plant daisies at his head and at his feet. Uckfield's main street is divided sharply into two periods. From the station to the road leading to the church all is new. Beyond all is old. The town is not interesting in itself, but it commands good country, and has a good inn, the Maiden's Head. It is also a good specimen of the quieter market town of the past with a brewery hiding behind a wonderful tree braced with kindly iron bands, a water-mill down by the railway, and several solid comfortable houses for the doctor and the lawyer and the brewer and the parson, with ample gardens behind them. Uckfield was once the home of Jeremiah Markland, the great classic, who acted as tutor here to Edward Clark, son of the famous William Clark, rector of Buxted, and father of Edward Daniel Clark, the traveller. It is agreeable to remember that Fanny Burney passed through the town with Mrs. Thrale in 1779, although she found nothing to interest her. Uckfield is the southern boundary of the Rock District, of which we saw something at West Hoathly, and it is famous for the sandstone cliffs in the grounds of High Rocks, an estate on the south of the town, the unthinking untidiness and active penknives of the holiday-makers make it recently necessary for the grounds to be closed to strangers close by however just off the road from uckfield to maresfield is a rocky tract that is free to all it consists of about an acre of grey sandy boulders some rising to a height of twenty feet or so which remind one a little of the rocher in the forest of fontainebleau although on a smaller scale all are worn with the feet of adventurous boys enjoying one of the best natural playgrounds in the county here blackberries come to rich perfection the sun's ripening warmth being thrown back from the hot sand when i first knew maresfield church many years ago its aged vicar rolled out thou shalt do no murder 
with an accusing timbre that seemed to bring the sin home to all of us. He had also so peculiar a way of pronouncing Albert that his prayer for our rulers seemed to make an invidious distinction, and ask a blessing not for all, but for all but Edward, Prince of Wales. Some of the oddest of the composite pietistic names that broke out over England during the Puritan Revolution are to be found in Sussex registers. In 1632, Master Perform Thy Vows, Sears of Maresfield, married Thomasine Edwards. His full name was too much for the village, and four years later is found an entry recording the burial of Vows, Sears, pure and simple. The searcher of parish registers, from whose articles in the Sussex Daily News I have already quoted, has also found that Heathfield had many Puritan names, among them Replenished, which was given to the daughter of Robert Pryor in 1600. There was also a Heathfield damsel known as More Fruits. Mr. Lower prints the following names from a Sussex jury list in the 17th century. Redeemed Compton of Battle, Stand Fast on High, Stringer of Crowhurst, Weep Not, Billing of Lewis, Called Lower of Warbleton, Elected Mitchell of Heathfield, Renewed Wisbury of Hailsham, Fly Fornication, Richardson of Waldron, The Peace of God Knight of Burwash, Fight the Good Fight of Faith, White of Ewhurst, and Kill Sin, Pemble of Withiam. Also a master, More Fruits, Fowler, of East Hoathly, for it seems that in such names there was no sex. Among the curious Sussex surnames found by the student of the county archives, who is quoted above, are the following. Pitchfork, Devil, Leper, Handshut, Jugglery, Hollowbone, Stillborn, Sweet Name, Slybody, Fidge, Beat Up, Rouge Head, Punch, Padge, Lies, Hogsflesh, Backfield, Breathing, Whiskey, Wild Goose, Anne. Almost every name here would have pleased Dickens, while some might have been invented by him, notably Fidge and Padge. One can almost see Mr. Fidge and Mr. Padge drolling it in his pages. From the Maresfield Rocks, Buxted is easily reached, about a mile due east, but a far prettier approach is through Buxted Park, which is gained by a footpath out of Uckfield's main street. The charm of Buxted is its deer. Sussex, as we have seen, is rich in parks containing deer, but I know of none other where one may be so certain of coming close to these beautiful creatures. Nor can I recall any other deer that are so exquisitely dappled, but that may be because the Buxted deer were the first I ever saw, thirty years ago, and we like to think the first the best. Certainly they are the friendliest, or least timid. The act of going to church is invested at Buxted with an almost unique attraction, since the deer lie hard by the path. Indeed, the last time I went to church at Buxted I never passed through the door at all, but sat on a gravestone throughout the service, and watched the herd in its graceful restlessness. That was twelve years ago. The other day I watched them again, and could see no change. Some of the stags were still, as of old, almost bowed beneath their antlers, although one, at any rate, was free, for a keeper who passed carried a pair of horns in his hand. 
the old house at the beginning of the footpath to the church with the hog in bas-relief on its façade is known as the hog house and is said to have been the residence of ralph hogg who was ralph hogg who is hiram maxim who was krupp who was nordenfelt it was ralph hogg ironmaster who in the year fifteen forty three made the first english metal cannon so at any rate say tradition and hollinshead buxted is otherwise most pacific of villages sleepy and undiscovered in the early years of the last century it boasted the possession of a labourer with a memory of amazing tenacity one george watson who otherwise almost imbecile was unable to forget anything he had once seen or any figure repeated to him on the road between maresfield and crowborough is heron's gill the residence of mr fitzallan hope it stands to the east of the road in one of those hollow sites that alone won the word eligible from a tudor builder hard by the road is the perfect little early english roman catholic church which mr hope built in eighteen ninety seven a miracle in these hurried florid days of honest work and simple modest beauty the church being roman catholic one may with confidence turn aside to rest a little in its cool seclusion relieved of the irritating search for the sexton of the national establishment and freed from his haunting presence and suggestion that the labourer is worthy of more than his hire while on this subject i might remark that a county vicar describing the antiquities of his neighbourhood in one of the sussex archaeological society's volumes writes magnanimously a debt of gratitude is certainly due to our roman catholic predecessors whatever error may mix itself with their piety and charity for erecting such noble edifices in a style of strength to endure for a late posterity it seems to me that a very simple way of discharging a portion of this debt would be to imitate the excellent habit of leaving the church doors wide open as practised by those roman catholic predecessors my own impulse to enter many of the sussex churches has been principally antiquarian or aesthetic but to rest amid their grey coolness is a legitimate desire which should be fostered rather than discouraged particularly as it is under such conditions that the soul even of the stranger whose motive is curiosity is often comforted the arguments in favour of keeping churches closed are unknown to me doubtless they are numerous and ingenious but doubtless equally a locked church is a confession of failure while to urge that one has but to ask for the key to be able to enter a church is no true reply since hospitality whether to the body or the soul loses in sweetness and effect as it loses in spontaneity from heron's gill to crowborough is a steady climb for three miles with the heathery wastes of ashdown forest on the left and the hilly district around mayfield on the right end of chapter thirty one